Hello and welcome to Getting Goosebumps, the weekly podcast exploring the business of storytelling, where I interview many of the world's greatest marketers and storytellers to share their insights and ideas of how to put emotion into marketing. Hello and welcome to another episode of Getting Goosebumps. I'm your host, Brian Adams, and this week I had the opportunity to chat to CEO of Top Rank Marketing, Lee Oden. Lee is also the author of a great marketing book called Optimize. He's a sought-after public speaker and a recognized thought leader in our space. He has some incredibly valuable insights this week on how to really understand the mind of your customer. I guess in the current world of digital marketing, we know that some people find it safer to market to people who already know what they want. But in this episode, Lee shares his thoughts on engaging with customers earlier in the buying cycle that you can create an open, deep and meaningful, long-term emotional connection with your audience. We also chat about the power of video for making that all-important personal connection with your audience. Video content is growing through the roof at the moment and Lee tells us to forget the focus groups and instead he reveals the power of the mom test. Find out what that is in this episode right now. I am really excited this week to be joined by Lee Oden, CEO and founder of Top Rank Online Marketing. Hello, Lee. Hey, Brian. It's great to be here. Highly caffeinated and ready to go. <laughs> cool. I'm really pleased to uh, to have you on the, on the show, Lee, for uh, for a, num- a number of reasons. Um, you're a great, great speaker, great influencer in, in this space, but you are also... Are, uh, a leader of a digital agency, much like myself, so you can share some pain and stories and pleasure of, of that side uh, of things today, if that's okay, Lee. Sure, um, I'm looking forward to it. It's a journey, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's got its trials and tribulations, but it never makes for um, a dull moment. I I find um, there's always something new and uh, always something exciting going on. So what's um, What's going on with you at the moment, Lee? Anything exciting happening on your end? Well, I'm looking right now literally at a mountain of upcoming speaking events. Um, over the next month and a half or two months or so, I think I personally have nine uh, presentations to give. And then there are three other people on my team that are giving presentations as well. Um, seven different cities. Um all the same country, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, just really doing a lot of prep right now for this tsunami of of um, <laughs> thought leadership and uh, you know conference attendance, conference participation coming up. Yeah, it's it's definitely the uh, tis the season for um, public speaking, isn't it? You know, I find September, October, November typically, um, but it beats real work, right? Yeah. Well, you know, when, when, when I think about it uh, and I think about what were some of my greatest fears uh, 10 years ago mm-hmm. and absolutely speaking to more than three people at a time was one of them. And so the idea that I've been able to somehow fool myself into thinking that's not something to be concerned about and do that partially for a living is interesting <laughs> it's it's uh it's it's an interesting thing so um but you know as you know there's there's a bit of a high one can get in the feedback from an audience in real time when they're really connecting with what you're saying mm-hmm. and from people that come up to you afterwards and you know the questions they ask and 
the things they say. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess, uh, you know, as an ambassador for your brand and a thought leader in the space, you know, it really does help to um, to connect with a community and uh, you know break down some of those some of those barriers and you know how, how much do you find that that translates online once um, you know you've, you've spoken in front of an audience does typically your community become more engaged and um, do, you, do you see that sort of thing absolutely uh, the magic of this sort of thing is the on to offline offline back to online <laughs> cycle. Of, of reinforcement. So what that means is when I'm in a room of 100, 500 people, I'm thinking about how I can best connect with that audience I'm in front of right now. Mm-hmm. I'm also trying to optimize my presentation itself to go beyond because I know all those people in the audience have devices and they're looking at their phones and they're tweeting and they're doing things. And I know they're connected to tens of thousands of people that are not in the room. So I'm in presenting to any group of people, I'm thinking not only about who's in front of me at the moment, but I'm also thinking about what can I do to inspire them to share that message outside of the room. And that has manifest in a pretty substantial network for me personally and also for our brand, um, for our agency size. We have quite a, quite a good footprint. Yeah, and I was talking to Joe Politi the other day, and he was talking about uh, you know he does this, um, this this magazine which does so well, obviously off offline, and yeah. we were we were talking about content marketing in general, and you know we came to came to an obvious conclusion that you know it's not just all online, is it? You know, and it's interesting to hear you talk about your talks that you give because it's got a part to play in in um, digital marketing and content marketing for sure, right? Absolutely. Uh- we're, we're humans and we live in the real world. We live in the offline and on in the online world. And so it's a simple matter of empathy for your audience. They experience life and they discover and consume and act on information, uh, not just digitally, but in a tactile way as well. So I think a smart market is going to do a really good job of empathizing with that sort of information journey um, amongst your audience and basically give them what they want and, and, and keep making it better every time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I've talked about empathy mapping over the last few weeks with, with various um, guests I've had on the show, Lee. And, you know, it, it's interesting. It keeps coming up all the time. And you say, well, you know, we're all humans and we just need to get back to um, – understanding that we're trying to reach other humans how much do you find that technology gets in 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 the way and you know what sort of typical conversations do you have with um with clients to sort of to get that point across because it's easy to get lost in the tactics uh, and analytics of of content marketing and and online uh, marketing isn't it there's a lot of forces driving driving um for example, end of funnel tactics, you know, because you have leadership saying, look, you know, we've been investing con- in, in content creation or SEO and social and these things. Uh, what's what's the increase in revenue? <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and so, you know, they get a little bit of education. They learn about, you know, early, middle, late stage buying cycle. And, and especially in the case of SEO, where we have buying phrases, right? Well, we can actually create content that steals traffic from our competitors who have educated the prospect all the, all the way to the point of transaction. And they do that last query just to make sure. And, you know, they get wind of these ideas and these tactics. And they say, okay, we're going to put everything into end of funnel tactics. 
And of course, that's a can become a bit short-sighted and uh, almost a clinical sort of experience for customers uh, because the reality is is the closer, the sooner in the buying cycle that we can engage and create uh, both an intellectual and emotional connection with the buyer, then, of course, the more equity uh, or the more, um, I sort sort of, uh, yeah, equity is the right word, in in their mind, brand equity do we have in their mind during that whole consideration phase. Yeah, absolutely. Persuading, I think, is a matter of, look, People make decisions based on emotion. They justify on logic. Um, maybe that's a cliche, but I, I found it to be true an awful lot of the time, maybe not all the time. And so strategically, we have to take into consideration those key, key factors. And so it's it's really important to, I think, empathize with audiences in a way that helps them do both of those things. Um, connect with them at an intellectual level, but connect with them and get their attention um, at an emotional level. You know, it's not enough to inform someone. It's it's important that you understand. You know that you're going to affect how they feel, right? And that's a differentiator. So, so Lee, you know that's um, you know that's some that's some great advice there. Um, but when, when you go into uh, a new boardroom, when you go in to meet a new, a new client, what are some of the, the sort of tangible, practical things that you find yourself doing to really make the, uh, make the penny drop and the light go on? Because uh, as obvious as it is um, to me and you and probably the majority of the audience listening, um, it, it, it amazes me the number of business leaders that we still come into contact with, which don't quite grasp that that concept. So, do you do you find yourself doing similar sort of um, processes, or you know, are there any stories that really resonate and make make that penny drop? Well, well first, I don't put myself in that situation. I don't go into boardrooms and I don't pitch. Um, so uh, we've already solved for a lot of that situation you're talking about mm-hmm. through our content through speaking and through information that our prospective clients have already consumed and have come to believe represents top ranks point of view and so so um however of course these things happen right these sorts of conversations do happen and the issue with them not understanding or getting it is just the perception of value uh, the, the status quo says, look, if they do this, they will get X outcome and it becomes ingrained. Uh, it's a tape that they play in their mind in terms of understanding what to do, and what not to do. And so this notion of, look, uh, there, there's, a, there's a, a, a more qualitative aspect to this um, that's really going to give us more revenue, but, but we have to make some investments. And so that's a matter of managing per- expectations mm. and the perception of value. So we can accomplish those through comparisons. Um, here's an example of someone who is doing what we're proposing and the success they've had, right? The classic case study. Yeah. Um, we can look at competitors. Okay. We can use fear of loss. Uh, if you don't do these things, here's what it, we're going to get in the short term, but here's what it's going to cost us in the long term, right? So ego and, and fear of loss are two of the most powerful persuasion techniques, whether it's boardroom or in a conference call or whatever. <laughs> Absolutely, I've, I've found that 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 really does work, and and also, um, it makes for great persuasive content when you do actually get to start telling their their story as well, right? Those types of uh, techniques. Yes, absolutely. Well, the, you know, the the feeling 
you know, fear of loss, it's a feeling. Uh, ego, it's a feeling, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's in, in any persuasive scenario, you know, you're, you're going to first empathize with what their point of view is, and it creates some credibility for you. And then you've got to challenge the status quo. And, and, and of course, if you can tell stories about how people have gone from A to B through some sort of challenge and how they accomplished success, you know, that's going to open up their mind emotionally to what you have to say. Yeah, absolutely. And how, how do you go about telling a brand's um, story, Lee? Because obviously you can entertain an audience, that's fine. Um, but in terms of the context of what we're trying to achieve for a business, how should a brand who is starting this journey of content marketing look at what's going on around them and start to plan how to tell their story? Tell their, their, their own story. Well, uh, there's a, the reason they're telling a story is because they have some business objective, I hope. So there needs to be clarity on what the business objective for an investment in content marketing is in the first place. And there are people involved with that content, clearly, customers, target audiences. And so understanding what is it that your target audience has in their mind? What, what are their goals? What are their pain points? What are they, you know, what questions do they have? And so while this, the normal approach or the common approach is for a brand to feel intuitively or the marketing people already feel like they know what it is the market needs to know about their brand. And they go about creating content to tell that story. And that's all fine and good, but it's not very impressive. It's not very remarkable. And it certainly doesn't empathize with people that you're actually trying to get after. So doing homework and research into your target audience, um, you get segmentation data that helps you delineate demographic, behavioral, psychographic information amongst your target audience. You can synthesize that the clustering of that data into, you know, representations or archetypes of your customers. And, and, and if you want, you can create personas against which you can create, use as inspiration to create content. So if I know that, let's say the difference between my best and worst customers or my customers that buy for these reasons versus customers who buy for those reasons, I can actually architect a content plan whose job it is to create the kind of information and content specific to that target audience's goals, pain points, their needs, so it solves information problems for them. But it doesn't just inform, it does entertain. So that's the starting point. It's the homework into understanding, number one, what are your goals that you hope to achieve through content marketing? And secondly, or at the same time, who is it that you're trying to solve those solve problems for with content what information problems will you solve with content and then use that as the answers to that relevant to your target audience as inspiration for creating the actual content plan yeah that's that's really really solid advice and and lee one thing that i think you you said there i just want to pick back up on is you can create the personas be very specific to attract the type of customer that you want so if you want to change the focus of your business or you just want to up your game or you want to stop uh, wasting time with customers that uh, aren't particularly profitable, by really doing your homework, focusing in on the, the type of content that attracts only the, the, the best type of customer, it's a win-win, isn't it? You know, Because this will pay you back in spades for a long time to come, right? It does. It does. Uh, your understanding of 
what is the best type of company for you to work with is one of the most significant investments you can make from a marketing standpoint because, like you say, it's a, everybody wins. You, you attract a, a, a good match and you create a relationship and, and it's successful for everybody. Yeah, I mean, interestingly enough, um, we've, we've just done some, some work in the recruitment space and we use exactly the same tech, uh, techniques and tactics to attract the same type of candidates that uh, a client, our client wants. Um, so not only have they got the skill set, but it's the right culture match. It's exactly the same recruiting staff or recruiting new customers. This is, this is a really fast-growing area, uh, the talent brand mm. and uh, the content marketing that goes along with uh, building a talent brand. Um, and, you know, interesting, we work with, we actually work with LinkedIn um, in, in a couple of different ways and, you know, get exposed to that sort of thing. Um, and increasingly you're seeing, I don't know if you've noticed, but you're seeing a lot more folks you know, companies, I mean, investing in content from a recruitment standpoint. And I know in the particular, in the digital marketing space and here in the U.S., it's uh, it's an interesting situation. The labor market where we are is very, very interesting. And um, overall, I know in the marketplace, there's a shortage of, of uh, experienced, really experienced talent. Um, and competition is only increasing in this mm. space. That's why there's a need for that. And uh makes me wonder what these universities are doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, absolutely. And it's interesting. We work with LinkedIn on you know, a similar uh, a similar thing, like working, looking at, we work with brands looking at their um, employer value proposition and mm-hmm. the similarities to the HR department and the marketing department in terms of the strategy that they need to attract the right personas towards their brand and, and engage. It's just absolutely remarkable. There's a really distinct overlap. But... Um, this sort of really leads me on uh, nicely, Lee. I wasn't going to sort of go to this this early in the in the conversation, but 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 I will do now. Um, if um, if a brand can create real, authentic stories, um, there's there's huge efficiencies and a sort of congruency to be had there as well, right? You know, because you will find good good content marketing. Would you agree? Should attract new customers, but also should help attract talent because fundamentally it's about brand values and reputation. Is, is, is that your take? It is. It is. In fact, um, this sort of notion of content is for more than marketing idea, something that was a cornerstone idea in a book I wrote a couple of years ago called Optimize. And the book had a very heavy SEO focus to it, but what it, but but it was also you know it was about the integration of search, social, and content. Actually, that's that, and about optimizing the integration. That's what it was about, and it talked a lot about. And I think this is still very true, and even more true today, is that um, you know people search or they consume content for a variety of reasons, not just to buy products and services. So the book actually talks specifically about you know content for public relations, content for customer service. Um, content for recruiting, and then subsequently the promotion efforts like optimization or social um, to attract audiences to that content. So yes, yeah, you know, and it's a sort of uh, it's a it's a, a signal, a sign that you know, brands are starting to take this a lot more seriously, and you know, becoming um, digitally focused from their core, not just uh, thankfully from the sort of peripheral wings of a, of a marketing department. And there's there's so much. 
efficiencies to, to be had there. But what I'm interested to hear your perspective on, Lee, is um, if you've got any examples or thoughts uh, on just those crossovers in terms of brand stories um, that uh, that help to market a brand for for both for all of those all of those reasons and and where do you from your experience where do you go digging in a brand in a, in an organisation to find those stories? Hmm. Well, you know, there's there's lots of consumer focused examples. I guess there's some B two B examples too, but um, companies that have done a really good job at sort of incorporating a really powerful narrative. Um, th- th- there's one company that I'm a, I'm a, a very happy customer of is uh, Chipotle um, has done a fantastic job with this um, and the variety of content types and media that they create um, to articulate, you know, the personality of the brand. And of course they want to attract, you know, I assume those characteristics amongst their customers you know, as far as you know, responsible food uh, production and, and, and things of that nature. And that gets expressed through videos they've created, um, the, you know, the, the, the co-creation of um, artwork or, or, or like a, even on their cups, they have they engage some artists to write poems and they put them on their cups and stuff like that. It's stories about, you know, stuff like that. Um, thinking of um, there's some B2B brands like Intel that have done some amazing work with video. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you go to the Intel channel on YouTube, um, there's a lot of interactive, put yourself in the situation or uh, kinds of things that they've done. I think in the B2B space, I've seen a lot more experimentation and not a full-on commitment like you would see in a consumer-oriented scenario. Mm-hmm. But I've seen some very um, uh, emotion-driven types of videos that kind of get into the mind of, the buyer and what are the sort of situations that or life experiences that would cause someone to, to need uh, a thing that a brand uh, provides and literally just using that as a way to tell a story. Yeah, um, I think um, I think you're absolutely right. I think there probably are more um, examples in the sort of business to consumer space than, than, than B2B. But do you think that's just because we're right at the, the beginnings of uh, content marketing growing up i mean i guess it hasn't been around for 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 too long right you know is is this an opportunity for for brands who who aren't embracing content marketing to jump in you know are there still would you say there's still a lot of um, opportunity out there well yeah i think there is and you know companies have been producing you know content um sponsored content or brand content for a long time um being direct about it or artfully uh, con- um, creating it to lead to a business outcome is probably a little more of a recent thing. Um, you can go back and look at Procter and Gamble creating the very first soap operas, for example. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Or, or you could look at American Express. Years ago, they started publishing magazines like Travel and Leisure, uh, Food and Wine magazines, print magazines published by American Express, the pedigree company. They're lifestyle magazines, but they fold really well, and with the people who would use the, the American Express credit card. Uh, recently, of course, you've got all kinds of companies creating content um, in the hopes that it will engage with their customers in a way that differentiates them and creates a connection. Uh, but there's still a lot of opportunity because why? My friend Doug Kessler uh, says it well because there's so much crap content uh, <laughs> yeah. out there. Uh, and, 
Absolutely. So, you know, people like uh, – there's some content uh, strategy people out there that are really – uh, maybe critical of content marketing because of some bad content that's out there, some content that may be SEO driven um, that isn't very thoughtful. Uh, there's no story to it at all. It's very mechanical. And, and I guess they have a uh, good reason to be critical of that kind of content. But I think because so many people do it poorly, there is a ton of opportunity. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And just while you touch on it, Lee, um, I think even – SEO is now heading towards great content and storytelling. Where do you think the current balance of language and use of keywords and um, search engine-driven content, where, where do you think the right balance from an SEO and storytelling point of view is now? Well, I think, I think really good SEO is very transparent. Good, really good SEO and smart keyword research is really understanding voice of customer. Mm-hmm. And and so incorporating language that would really resonate with customers, then it actually has it's in demand uh, from a search perspective is something that should read uh, in a transparent way. Um, so it should contribute to great user experience. Good SEO should, and so I think that's the balance. It, um, it's one thing to get a list of target keyword phrases and sprinkle them amongst the existing content and write a couple of more articles and infographics, mm-hmm. you know, to to accommodate um, potential inbound links and search positions uh, for those keywords. But it's another thing to use data to inform content marketing strategy. And I think search delivers amazingly rich data to inform content planning. Absolutely. Because keyword research, especially to the degree we can still do it in a meaningful way, it informs uh, you about demand, right? What is it that people are actually popping into that search box as an expression of intent? It's it's an explicit intent, expression of intent, the, the words people type in a search engine. And so it's really an opportunity for someone to look at that, not only as a keyword to be popped into a title tag, but as an expression that uh, is insight into what's in the mind of your buyer mm. and to take that and run with it and create content and do what I like to call become the best answer, you know, for what it is that your customers care about. Oh, that's nice. So and I, I, if, you, if you become the best answer, Lee, you know, I can think of a number of benefits, but you, but you tell us what, what do we get for that? Yeah, well, when you become the best answer for what customers care about, then you are – as Google would say, at that moment of truth, right? <laughs> it, 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 you, you are, right? The, the, the friction is gone. It's completely uh, lubricated. And <laughs> that's horrible metaphor, but <laughs> it, it, there's no distance between the user need and pain and you as a solution to solve that problem when you become that best answer because you're easy to find and it's a completely congruent experience between what someone's looking for and what you are delivering as an answer. Brilliant, yeah. And, um, and Lee, um, what are your thoughts on um, the, more, the more voice searches being used? What do you think that's... What, what impact do you think that's going to have on how we produce content? I mean, is it going to change the phraseology and uh, the vocabulary we use? It, it, does it mean we'll probably have to um, really look at our content and, and simplify it? Or does it mean that we need to add content which isn't just written anymore? What, what are your thoughts 
as we head towards more voice search um, usage? Well, it does make sense to pay attention to the natural language that people use um, and and how that might be expressed in content that can surface in search results. Um, there's an intersection there with the devices that people use, uh, which would, of course, be mobile uh, or, or tablets or whatever. So there's a, a model for making sense of all this that I talk about in Optimize that we use in our practice um, um, with this sort of thing. And that's you know, this, I mentioned already this empathy towards customer and, and so understanding how they, you know, our target audience discovers, uh, information and, and, and as we understand that we can plan for that in our content. If we understand their preferences for information or, or media consumption, we can plan for that, incorporate that in our content planning. And then what types of messages will motivate them to take action, whatever that action might be a next step or transaction or advocacy or whatever, and so natural language and, you know, this sort of, well, to what degree does our target audience actually use voice search if we can capture that data somehow? Well, if we use this model, discovery, consumption, and action, if we have that as a model, we're, we're paying attention to whatever is relevant for our target audience. So the degree to which natural uh, uh, voice search is uh, a factor would surface itself in that situation um, for a particular target audience or a particular program, Right. Um, and I think it's something, but even that aside, if you're not using that model, you have to pay attention to trends and, um, the use of voice for search queries, voice, uh, interacting with a device that surfaces information in any ways is, is definitely worth paying attention to. Yeah, absolutely. But what I'm wondering, Lee, is, um, does it mean that we need to start considering how we present that, that content? as well so you know from a storytelling point of view uh, particularly does that mean that brands should be making more of an effort to be more comfortable in front of a camera so should we be focusing on producing more video is audio um important uh, what what's the what's the right blend for a great brand experience to tell the true picture of a of a, of a story online now is that something that uh, we really need to work out and, and focus on at the start of a plan I think it makes sense. Um, again, if we understand our target audience's preferences for content consumption, then we will have answers about that question. And we can identify whether audio only podcasts, for example, um, can play in a, whether they can, that plays an important role as a media format, or maybe they prefer just static images. Maybe they prefer video. Maybe they prefer all three in different contexts. So our pursuit continuously to understand target audience preferences for discovery and media consumption are going to inform our choices, I think, as content marketers, whether we should invest in producing more video, producing more podcast or audio content, producing more visual content of other forms. And, and when, when you're working on accounts or overseeing accounts, Lee, and, and you've done all of your homework, you've done all the research, and you think you've got a really good understanding of your client's audience and you're putting content out there, um, well, before you put it out there, how do you assess whether you think it's emotive enough, whether uh, it's engaging enough? How do you match up the um, emotions that you're trying to elicit in the content with the emotions you think you need to... Um, to uh, drive in, in, in your audience to get the result you want? Is, is there any sort of technique or process you go through there or is it just a, 
um, a best guess yeah. based on a persona? It's the mom test, of course. The mom test. The mom test. If you <laughs> share this content or video or whatever with your mom and she cries, no, just kidding. We don't want to make the mothers cry. That's horrible. Stop that from the record. Um, no, I, I think I think uh, that you know if people with uh, companies with major budgets can do their focus groups and some trials and use case scenarios, right, um, and uh, try to capture um, you know what uh, a sampling of experiences. That, that resulted uh, from your program will will have on a broader audience and you can do those testing but that's really not you know that's that's probably the exception in the scheme of things so internal testing um, you know you have people not part of the program be exposed to the content and the campaign and you know see how they react that that from a practical standpoint that's that's at least something everyone can do absolutely and one of, one of the benefits of producing great content is obviously it can be shared organically, it can create lots of inbound links and et cetera, et cetera. But there's, there's a little bit of a debate going on in terms of whether um, you should boost your content and invest in um, paid content uh, if you can afford it. What are your thoughts, Lee, and, and from two perspectives, actually, from um, driving more reach just to get an ROI, first of all, um, and second of all, is it a good idea in the name of research just to sort of back up and reinforce what you were talking about earlier? Well, I think one could easily spend 60% on creation and 40% on promotion or even 50, 50, uh-huh. uh, depending on what it is. So, um, and so, you know, what a lot of folks are doing is they'll, they'll create their content and uh, then they'll decide after it's been created, then, that, okay, now it's time to run some ads against that, right? Because they, that, that's what they have available. That's what they know. Mm-hmm. And so they'll either distribute that, syndicate that content through uh, sponsorships or they'll run paid search and social ads against it. Uh-huh. Um, and that's all fine and good. Um, and that's one way of doing it. Um, and, and something that we we are really growing quite a bit is sort of baking inspiration for promotion into the content itself. Yeah. And so you know, doing a lot of co-creation with um, with other folks uh, whose participation in the creation of the thing is inspiration for them to help promote it. So when the thing that you've made or the campaign you've created drops, uh, people are they're anticipating. They, they can't wait to, to, to go and, you know, share this and, and help promote it because its success means something that uh, positive reflects on them. Mm. That's, that's a really good point, isn't it? You know, because if you actually use the engagement of your audience and your community um, to craft and shape content, then they're already bought in before it comes out, right? So um, it's almost like you've got... a some sort of guarantee that you're going to get, um, you know, a small community helping you boost it right from the outset. That's 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 what you mean, right? It it is it is, and it's part of uh, the relationship you can have with your community and the others um, uh, involved with that kind of effort. Yeah, I mean, um, whether it's influencers, whether it's uh, internal. Um, staff, uh, whether it's your existing customers, if you're an agency or a service provider of some kind, um, or even your your current uh, uh, you know clientele, um, community at large, 
whatever they may be, you can understand the intersection between something that they want, something they want to, they're passionate about and they would love to help create and something that the brand can, uh, wants to create in a way that creates mutual value. Oh, that really is, like you said earlier, uh, a win for everyone. Yeah, no, I really like that approach, Lee. I think that's really good advice for a number of reasons. Obviously, to, to get that buy-in once you release the content so it gets boosted and you get extra reach. But I guess when you're asking your community to help you craft something or contribute something, the appetite of the, that you find there, you know, if somebody's really keen to help, it's also an indicator that the wider community are going to want, need, and desire the content in the first place, right? So it's, it's almost uh, reassuring from that perspective as well. It is. It is. If you can co-create content with the very audience you're trying to sell to, that is what I like to call participation marketing. That That's really something that can differentiate you um, significantly from anyone else in your field. Mm, participation marketing. That's a new one on me, Lee. I, I, I like that. <laughs> you just might find a, a blog post comes out soon about participation marketing. And uh, don't worry, I'll credit you with that. Uh, <laughs> did, did, you, did you make that up, Lee? Is that, is that something that you've um, crafted yourself? or did you? Hear I, I just started using, you know, there's nothing new, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. I just started using that expression um, maybe, well, actually almost a year ago now. Um, and uh, and I've given a number of presentations um, about it, and half of the presentations I'm giving in the next month and a half have that in the title. Um, so, yeah, it's it's something that I've been the notion of co-creation uh, and, and content marketing is something I've been experimenting with for our own agent our agency's own marketing for five years now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so uh, Joe um, actually engaged has been engaging us. Um, to help promote the Content Marketing World Conference using that tactic uh-huh. for every single one of their events. Uh, I'm sorry, every single one of the Content Marketing World events. Brilliant. Well, it certainly makes a hell of a lot of, uh, a lot of sense. Hey, Lee, um, I've asked a number of um, people this that have been on the show, so I can't let you go without uh, asking you as well. Um, are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> I may have built it up too much, but there we go. Um, it started out... I heard content was king. Then I heard context was king. My question to you, Lee, is who's the next king? <laughs> well, I, I happen to have a little expression in that category too. Content isn't content isn't king; it's the kingdom, right? And, and oh, so I like that. I like that. Um, it, it's because content is, for example, the reason search even exists. Content is the outcome of social interactions. It's the the very substance in which the the digital you know um, world really exists uh-huh. on. It's based on right, and uh-huh. so I, I think rather than just looking at it as you know individual objects or some kind of goal, um, it's it's really the quarks it's you know it's what it's the dna of the universe so to speak kind of thing it plays that sort of role and i think it's a a much more strategic thing than most people um think of you know what i mean oh absolutely i think i think um it makes absolutely perfect sense and you know you're not you're not the first person lee to sort of turn the question on its head but you know I i still haven't had um one answer the same 
as, as oh, the last. <laughs> it's absolutely fascinating. That's why I keep asking the question. But content, ah. content isn't king. It's the kingdom. I really like that. Lee, um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. But before you go, um, I want you to tell our audience, uh, a lot of them will, will, will know of you already, obviously, but um, where can people find out more about you? And is there anything you'd like to draw our audience's attention to or leave us with? Sure. Um, well, you can certainly find me on the Twitter <laughs> at, at Lee Oden, L-E-E-O-D-D-E-N. Uh, the second D is silent, I like to say. <laughs> um, and of course, um, blogging and writing from time to time at toprankblog.com and uh, toprankmarketing.com is our agency site. And uh, in September, I'm speaking at Content Marketing World, uh, September 8th in Cleveland, and then right after September 11th, I'll be uh, speaking at HubSpot's inbound conference in Boston Cool. and uh, several of other events after that, actually. Um, um, so, yeah, there you go. Twitter, blogging, those are great places. LinkedIn, of course, is a great place to connect as well. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, I, I certainly would recommend checking out uh, your, your blog, Lee, um, because it's, it's full of phenomenal content. It really yeah, we is. Have- we have a, a Ashley Zeckman is uh, our director of marketing. She's really taken over the blog. I've been puddling around with that blog for about ten years now, and and so it's so nice to hand over the reins to oh. someone else who can actually do something even better with it. And so she's done a really good job, and uh, and she's also done a good job with um, recruiting other people on our team to contribute to it. So you see a lot of the people who actually make the magic at our agency now. Um, uh, their faces and their contributions and their voices being shared on that site as well. So it's a lot better now <laughs> that, <laughs> that this cook is out of the kitchen, so to speak. <laughs> well, I guess it's nice to give give praise to your team there. And if that's um, a measure of the uh, the value of your team, it's it's a really good indicator, absolutely. Because I you know I read your blog regularly, and it's uh, you know it's always insightful. So Lee, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks again for uh, spending the time. Um, Thank you, Brian. Well, take care, and hopefully we'll have you back soon. Sounds good. Brilliant. All right. That's it, for, that's it for another uh, week. Join us again next week. But for now, thank you, Lee. And we're out for another week. So that's it for another week. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you did, please feel free to subscribe or even check out our Getting Goosebumps marketing book available in Amazon. If you have any specific questions, you can also tweet us using the hashtag AskPH. I'd be delighted to answer your questions. Until next week, goodbye.